Every company has one. The place where the hats with the wrong logo are hidden from sight. The empty office where the bags that miss the event date are banished. The storage room where the shirts with the smeared imprints are entombed. It's called the Closet of Shame. And every promotional products distributor has a story about making an unwanted contribution. In this podcast, those stories will be shared and the impact on the client relationship will be explored. The Closet of Shame is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's your host, Bill Petrie. And welcome to the inaugural edition of the Closet of Shame podcast. I am your host, Bill Petrie at Promo Corner, and I'm really excited about this podcast. And I'm also excited that we have a sponsor for the podcast, and that would be the good people at Imagine Brands who are excitedly announcing their um, Coleman line of drink products, a uh, drinkware product. So they have 11 new drinkware spot styles from a pint tumbler with an integrated bottle opener to a hydration bottle that keeps liquid cold for 50 hours. And I will tell you, they are amazing. I've already started using some for the adult beverage of the week. And I will tell you that is probably some of the highest drinkware I've seen in the industry. And when you add the Coleman legacy of adding excitement, fun, and memories to the outdoors that began well over 100 years ago, and combine that with the reliability of Imagine Brands, you know it's going to provide you with innovative and new products. So go ahead and go to imaginebrands.com, click on the crown section, and check out all the new Coleman drinkware. Now, this is a guest-driven podcast, and the idea behind this podcast was when I was a distributor, I would always go into clients and explain to them I never wanted to contribute to their closet of shame. And they'd look at me quizzically, and I would explain to them, The Closet of Shame, you know the place in this building where you hide the promo that didn't go quite right, maybe the imprint was a little off, or the color was a little wrong on that shirt, or maybe the bags didn't arrive in time for the event. They always end up somewhere hidden in a building, and my goal is to never, ever contribute to that Closet of Shame. So in this podcast, we're going to have conversations with distributors where things have gone wrong and talk about what went wrong how they addressed what went wrong, and hopefully, most of the time, how they salvaged the client at the end of all this. And I'm very excited that my first guest is not only someone recognizable, but also someone I consider a friend. Danny Rosen from Brand Fuel is a tireless connector, community leader, and entrepreneur, and all-around good guy. He's a good-time player man. I don't just reserve that for Kirby Hossman. He is a good-time player man. So he helps people and brands realize higher aspirations, and wants to make sure that they have positive and sustainable impact for both profit and not-for-profit organizations. And if you know Danny Rosen, more than anything, he's a connector of people. He's a co-founder and co-president of Brand Fuel, which is a free-spirited, full-service merchandising agency in our industry. And he's also the co-founder of Brand Together. Uh, brand. Band Together. How many times do you do that, Danny? Say brand instead of band. It's Brand Together or Band Fuel. We do it all. Awesome. Uh, But he is the active co-founder of Band Together, which is a volunteer-driven not-for-profit that uses one of my passions and Danny's live music as a platform for social change. And it began right after 9-11 and up to this point has donated almost $8.5 million to different causes each year. Really an amazing event. I've had the honor of going the past three years. I'm looking forward to going again this year. Danny loves to start organizations and do the hard work on things that matter, and he has decided that this podcast matters because he's wasting his time on it already. (laughs) He's married with two daughters who are 10 and 13, and he has come to grips with the idea that well-behaved women 
rarely if ever make history. Please welcome Danny Rosen. Wow, thanks, Billy. Look Thank to you. Yeah. All right, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So, like I said, and we had a little conversation before we started recording, and much like Unscripted, we're not going to edit this. This is going to be a free-flow conversation. I know, having been in the industry, when did, just a little backstory. When did you start in the industry? And I know, really, it was T-shirts at uh, University of North Carolina, but why don't you tell just a quick Reader's Digest version of how you got into the industry in the first place? Yeah, parents said, uh, you're going to college, and I was excited about that, but they also said we're only able to pay a certain amount uh, of um, out-of-state tuition, room board, and all that, and they said, if you want to do extracurriculars, like drink yellow Pepsis and go off on spring break and act like a buffoon, then uh, you got to pay for that on your own, and um, so instead of working from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. on some night shift deal, I, I uh, started selling shirts door-to-door to uh, to address one of the poignant um, topics in our uh, in our college, which is the hatred of Duke. So yeah. um, that, Duke sucks, right? Yes, it does in many ways, um, except for when they <laughs> they pay us as a client. But um, that's that's just parenthetical. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that man that hatred I think manifested itself in wanting to do uh, things that were entrepreneurial, make a little bit of money, um, be creative on campus. So rolled into the campus markets and then on to um, corporate markets and started to grow that. And then, you know, I, I decided I wanted to, you know, venture out from the company I was working with to start my own company and get into online stores. And I needed help. And the first person I turned to was my best friend, Robert Fiveash, who I trust and love and respect. And we just hit our 20th year. Uh, That's amazing. Really proud of that, and um, and and glad that we're not we haven't killed each other yet. No, that's amazing, and and you do amazing work. But I also know there have been times where things have gone wrong. I like to always explain to people who don't understand our industry. There's a point where an order is placed, and there's a point where the order is delivered, and that journey is fraught with multiple opportunities for failure. Um, so, can you give us a story of when promo went sideways? Oh when. My God. Is, Yes. <laughs> maybe just maybe just one. I mean, it may not have happened more than once, right? Yeah, it, it happens uh, almost weekly. Uh, we're not perfect at what we do, but I, I applaud you for for bringing this. What I think is a humorous topic, if we can poke fun at some of the pain we have in our industry, but also allowing people to be a little bit vulnerable and talk yep. about these real world situations. So great job there. Um, God, I have so many stories. I mean, I, I think the first one that comes to mind is is one that uh, involved about 3,000 of those two-in-one pen lights. Um, mm-hmm. We sold to a large membership organization um, that was using them as a teaser to get people to sign on to um, their, um, I think, expired memberships with the organization. And, and what happened was we had all these bulk shipped into the client's uh, office, and we got a call. Um, and typically when you get a call at that moment in time, it's not a good call, and, and nor was this one. Um, it, it made its way up into my office because apparently the person who was spot checking things had opened up the first box, and, and out of the first five um, boxes of these pen lights that they had opened, uh, the lights were actually on. And oh. Yes. Oh, that's not good. No, it's not good. And so there were all these questions around, um, you know, are the batteries dead? Do they work? Um, and all of that. And so... Um, at that point in time, I, I thought they weren't too far from us. I thought, what are we going to do about this? We did not have time to redo these. They were talking about rejecting the order because they weren't sure they want to give out something that was going to you know, be a sort of a black mark on their brand if the pens actually didn't work. Right, and, and this is a pretty sizable order for you guys. Yeah, it was a nice order. It was uh, 15, 16 grand. And, I mean, that's, um, that's real money we're talking about. 
It is. And the sales rep has got, you know, commission at stake and then a longer term mm-hmm. relationship, which I think sure. is the key. Here That's the bigger. About, absolutely. Yeah. What's it worth in the, in the scheme of things? And this client's, a, they were probably doing about 75000 with us. So it was a big order out of the 75 grand and a big client that's grown since then. And, and that's sort of the, the beauty of all this. They're still a client many years later. Because of what we did and how we handled it, um, I just said, let's go over there and, you know, co-president of the company, I'm going to go with you. I want the sales rep and his coordinator. And we drove over and said, look, can we come over and, and do the dirty work of going through every single package to pull I, out those that were on? I love that your first reaction was feet on the street, show up. I absolutely love that. I think that's so critical, especially when things go wrong. Yeah, it, that that I think, and looking back, well, when we were in it, so let me just say, sure. about 12 men or and women hours of sitting in their office, in their marketing department, amidst boxes, doing the hard work. And, and I think what they saw was, after the first hour, I think they started to see like, wow, these guys are truly committed a lot of people are like, what are those people doing over there um, mm-hmm. to finding out um, where the problem was and to address it in as quick a manner as we could and an efficient a manner. And and so I think the, the moral here is, um, you know, put on your damn cape, you know, be right. a hero, take an adverse situation. And, and actually, I, I, I liken this to the whole band together thing, like band together is a response to 9-11. Um, It was a something good that came out of 9-11. So how do you take a really bad situation and turn it around so it's so much better? You actually build relationship into that with your client. I couldn't couldn't agree with you more because I think that relationship truly is forged when things do go wrong. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I I, I wanted to say also out of all of that, and we all laugh at, about this now, out of the 3,000 pieces mm-hmm. and the 12 man hours and the, and the work that we did to you know, salvage what we, we were really afraid of, do you know how many pen lights were on and bad? Probably just the first ones you saw, be yeah, my seven, guess. 17, 17. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But what, what was their level of frustration when they started opening those boxes? I mean, what, what did, I mean, could you hear in their voice that they were like, worried that things were not going to be well with the whole shipment? Yeah, that was definitely massive concern, paranoia, um, you know, someone's jobs on the line. It was a pretty big deal. They needed to get this mailing out. Uh, It was a retention play. So there was big money connected to this. And time sensitive, it sounds like too. It was incredibly time sensitive. And and we didn't have a choice really other than to try and find a, a one day, you know, quick ship type of thing that was not what they wanted and approved. Right. Yeah, it was good. It, well, what's and again, it shows what when you you kind of step back and think about okay, what would I want someone to handle this if I was on the other end, right? Yeah. Okay. And the fact, and I I try to teach my kids this, you know, so much of life is just showing up, and I, I talk about this occasionally when I'm I'm giving talks is it's giving a hundred percent, not all the time, but the right times, and that's a time where you to put on, you know, you didn't have your co-owner hat on so much as you had, let's get shit done hat. And and let's make sure that we um, not only satisfy the client, I don't believe clients are ever satisfied. They're either overwhelmed with joy or or completely disappointed, but you decided, hey, I need to be there. And I think that's an important message. Yeah. And I think even from a a leadership standpoint, I think Robert and I both behave in this manner. I mean, I think the 
the fact that we said as managers or bosses or owners or whatever you want to call us, um, the fact that we went over there and did the work, um, yep. that nothing is too dirty for us. I mean, we're willing to do what anybody in our offices, as long as we're capable of doing it, is right. willing to do and to show our team that, you know, we care about our customers. We also care about them. I think that sends a clear sort of servant leadership sort of message to, you know, our team. I I think you're completely right. I mean, you're, you knowing you the way I do, it wasn't a stop and think about what should we do it was let's get over there and fix this right now yeah there's almost like a business model in messing up on purpose <laughs> i mean this, this follow me here <laughs> no i actually i'm right with you go okay. ahead all right so this is like you you screw up an order for a client i bet there's a harvard business school study somewhere but you screw up an order of the client knowing it's screwed up knowing you have the answer and then like you you like know you can make it right and people are like oh my god these guys are awesome they jump through hoops they do all this stuff but you know right. we already had the answer in our back pocket and they're just like you win them over for life that's a twisted thing but no it's almost maybe. like the you know, the theory that new coke was really just invented to rekindle right. interest in the classic <laughs> formula and i actually still believe in the conspiracy theory on that yeah i i, I do i don't but i now that you say it and i think about it i just i don't I don't trust almost anything anymore. <laughs> it's hard to trust anything, right? It's yeah. hard to trust anything. So you didn't really have the, the client wasn't at risk in this, in this instance that you just shared. What about a time where a client was at risk yeah. when promo went bad? And I know I look, I know you've got a whole back pocket full of stories. Yeah. Uh, so we are steeped in the, uh, in, in the healthcare and pharma space um, mm -hmm. you know, pharma regulations took away a big chunk of our business, but sure. there was one story I like telling about back in the day when, um, you know, the antimicrobial hand sanitizer, how that's ubiquitous oh, yeah. in the industry now and shapes and, you know, styles it, and all that. It, it is an excellent use of the word ubiquitous. Did, yes. Thank you. Did I You're say welcome. ubiquitous? I did. You did. It was, and it just rolled off your tongue. Like, I am so smart. Some, you are so smart. Thanks for recognizing that. So. <laughs> The ubiquity of the hand sanitizer was not uh, in that it was not have have that no way. Wait, now I can't even talk. Wow. You just went from the smartest guy on the podcast to still the smartest guy on the podcast, just less smart. <laughs> I did that on purpose. That was a Steve Martin reference. Um, no, I know. <laughs> okay. So we didn't have hand sanitizer and all of a sudden it became a hot industry item and we presented this to uh, to a healthcare company um, who was doing uh, some giveaways at a trade show. And, um, and this drug that they were trying to sell and promote uh, to the medical industry um, was, uh, it was a it was sort of anti-foot fungal uh, medicine that they were, they were pitching. And I, hope everybody's, I hope everybody's eating lunch while they're listening to this. <laughs> Doesn't get too gross, but it does get a little weird. Um, That's all right. So everything went well. They gave away the hand sanitizer. Um, and all of a sudden, we started to get um, some calls from people on the legal side of things on the pharma uh, company partner that we were working with our client mm -hmm. where um, a lawyer contacted us and said, we've got a serious issue where people, consumers uh, and physicians who receive this hand sanitizer think that that is the actual medicine for the oh, foot fungus. No, yes. no, no, no. Yes. So people are calling their 800 number saying, oh, my uh, gosh, my feet are burning. The medicine's not working. Uh, and, and all of that <laughs> tracked back to us. So um, needless to say, we had hand sanitizer, leftover bottles of the stuff. We did a recall. 
um you know oh my complete, gosh like a complete rookie move like right you know and um but my hands have been clean for the last six years my children they never have to get no, no there's no soap in the rosen household yeah, no, not necessary no but that's yeah that's uh that's expensive number one yeah. um and did you retain the client after that i mean that's a pretty big screw up uh i you know what i'm, I'm not sure we did um uh, but i will say we it, I call that a rookie move because it's sort of obvious, but we didn't. It's learn. obvious now. Yeah, but we didn't learn the lesson, Bill. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. We sold lip balm mm-hmm. for another company that was working on like an armpit rash, and we got the same issue. Like strawberry flavored lip balm does not prevent, much less temper, armpit rash. No, I wouldn't think it does. It makes yeah, it so, smell good. Yeah, it does smell good, but it just doesn't work the way <laughs> that people <laughs> thought it would. So. Right. And that was a B2C play, too. So that went out to consumers, and they got the same. We This was several years later. We didn't learn the lesson, um, unfortunately, and, and it was costly. And I don't think we retained the client. So when that happens and the client leaves, and obviously you do everything you can to make it right, and, and sometimes you can't make it right, but at least you can make the pain a little little less, at what point do you throw up your hands and say, you know, I guess got to let them walk. I, I, this is too big of a screw-up for me to fix. In terms yeah. of client repair, not necessarily, obviously, recalling the promo. That's that's the easy part. But trying to uh, cajole the client into continuing yeah. a relationship with you, that's the challenging part. Sometimes, yeah. And sometimes there's no, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. In the world of healthcare and, and pharma, like the regulations, FDA, all the stuff, it's pretty rigid. I mean, we've learned a lot, and it's still a very huge sector for our business um, yeah. because of those early lessons. So I sort of like, you know, in one way, I'm like, I'm glad we failed, screwed up because we learned our lessons um, early. Uh, but, you know, like any good company, I think, and I know you've dealt with this too. I mean, you accept fault instantly mm-hmm. as much as you can. Yes. Uh, I wish, and this is sort of an aside, but I wish the supplier would have said something to us. I think good suppliers would recognize those issues. You send them artwork yes. and something's spelled, they catch it, they save your ass. You yes. never buy from anybody again. Exactly. It's, which I think is something maybe could have happened. You don't just do what we say. You actually look out for us and think about the project um, in a way that builds a lot more um, of a relationship and a consultative behavior than just you know selling product to us um, and being a part of the, the, the production chain, which no I think question. happens these days more and more with great suppliers. Oh, I think you're. I think you're right. I think you know, for so many, for so long, people would just slap logos on stuff and give it very little thought and say, "Hey, you know, someone signed a proof. It's fine." But you know, sometimes things are misspelled that don't look like they're misspelled when you review them on a proof, or you've reviewed, reviewed so many proofs, it it starts to all blend together, or something like you were talking about with the hand sanitizer, and, and it could be possibly mixed up as the actual medicine it's trying to promote. And I think you're right. I think that happens more in our industry today that suppliers say, hey, I'm not sure this is going to work the way you think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that is a huge relationship builder, huge relationship builder. I, I wonder, it makes you think, and I, I'm sure this happens, is already out there in the supplier world, but if, for suppliers listening to this, um, I'm curious, and, and I, I bet it, it, but if it does, if it's not in existence, it's worth thinking about to have someone be, I mean, you've got traffic managers and production mm-hmm. schedule managers and all that, but someone and QC people who are on the, on the, you know, line of production, checking out logos, they're misprinted or whatever, things are broken. But at the point of order, um, 
you know, there seems like an opportunity for someone really to dive a little bit deeper into the order to catch those mistakes and guide the customer, right. maybe even upsell so that we can upsell with a new packaging or whatever. I feel like most of those sorts of things happen beforehand, the presentation of product and ideas and mm-hmm. packaging and all, where at that point of sale, there's probably an opportunity to consult a little bit more. Oh, I think there's a huge opportunity because, you know, we're all moving so fast, especially on the distributor side, moving so fast because we're kind of the last minute industry at times with our clients. Yeah. And so we're moving at the speed they want us to move. And I think it, it is a great model for suppliers to say, okay, hold on, let's double check this. Let's make sure this is right. Let's make sure, is this really the vehicle you want to promote? this this event or this brand or whatever i think there's an enormous market for that yeah and I, lo- I love the idea sharing. yeah best practice sharing like oh you're selling to a bank and you're you're doing this you might want to i mean and i think this happens sometimes but if mm-hmm. they really want to grow their business okay you've got a banking client you've just sold this thing thank you very much for the order and by the way here's four products we're going to do self you know promos for them with their logo we want you to and i see i've seen some suppliers do this send this over as a thank you but mm-hmm. also as a teaser to maybe sell some of these products to them. No, that's great. And I've, I've actually, this last couple of months, I've been traveling a lot to suppliers and, and talking to them about uh, making it easier for distributors to buy from them. And one of the things I do tell them is, you know, understand that when a distributor calls you and their hair's on fire, it's because they're getting that from their client. And if you want to build a relationship the best way to do it is to help them slow down and help them realize here are some of the effective tools you can use to really not only make a sale, but make a relationship. And I think yeah, that that's, that, yeah. that's the moment right there when, when it comes from the initial request from the distributor to the supplier that those beautiful moments of relationship building can happen. Yeah, I, I am hopeful that um, that everyone listening to this right now remembers this the things that suppliers do uh for them on behalf. i mean i Absolutely. think suppliers take it on the nose i they think do. uh you know we lean on them to even when it's our mistake and i think most if not all good, really good suppliers are are eating some crow and the key is to you know we've sent cases of beer up to suppliers and and, and handwritten thank you cards and you know but the truth is that we need to celebrate and support them by sending them more business so they can make up for the loss that they shared with us. And um, I, I hope people see that that loyalty, that reciprocity is is critical, um, you know, because it's it's just the, it's the right way to do business. It is. It is. So let me ask you a question. You've obviously had promo go bad, and sometimes you've been able to save the client, and sometimes you haven't. What's the one piece of advice you would give a distributor who screwed up an order? And even if they it didn't screw it up, at the end of the day, they have to wear that responsibility on their shoulders, whether it was a supplier or something else. What one piece of advice would you give a distributor that wants to save that client? Yeah, it'd be lifetime value of the client. So I think we get caught up in the minutia of the situation. I think there's you know emotion and reason. So we all know that we make determinations mostly based on emotion. And in the heat of the mm-hmm. moment, we're concerned about losing, you know, the commission on the order, not being able to pay the rent in some cases because of the order, um, how you feel. Maybe you're deflated. Maybe you're defensive. Um, but, I, but I think 
what's way more important than thinking about that one situation is to think about what is the lifetime value of that client. And so if the client is, you know, you're at risk, uh, if, you know, let's say it's five grand, a big chunk of money of just eating crow and five grand when you've got a right. client that over the next five or 10 years might do 50, 60 grand with you, is it really worth it? And sometimes it's not. Um, mm -hmm. But I think thinking in that manner um, is one way. The other is, you know, think about it from the aspect of being able to sleep at night. Um, oh. You could go in root and toot and cowboy and, and try and fight them and battle and, and all mm -hmm. that. We all need to sleep at night. And I think we can let some things go. It's saying it's just money isn't fair because money is important. Um, right. I think what's more important is peace of mind. I love that. And, and I'm going to add one to that. And it's, it's one you really mentioned, but uh, at the beginning is showing up. Yeah. show up when shit goes bad yeah. show up and if you can't be there personally be on the phone emote because it is emotional yeah. it is emotional to that client big yeah. time yeah that's great I've, I've got this can i share one more that's related to yeah. our cares initiative yeah please do um so uh jackie who's one of our senior sales reps in our virginia office she's fantastic and she has all these stories i was, I was crowdsourcing ideas for this and this one i love because um, we had a nice order for a little under a hundred jackets, high-end jackets. And, um, and, and we ordered a, it was supposed to be black on gray versus gray on gray, a two-tone jacket. Mm -hmm. We got the gray on gray. Um, we missed it. The, um, the decorator missed it. And, um, there was some conflicting information and really it was on us. It wasn't on the decorator or the, right. or the jackets. Um, but they got stitched, they got sent to the customer the customer, you know, hair on fire. This is not what we wanted. Um, you know, make this right. So Jackie said, look, um, how about we discount them? You know, they're not black on black. They're black or gray or whatever. They're close enough. And they said, we're sorry. This is really what we have to have. This is what we ordered. And so she very thoughtfully said, well, are you okay? And she asked permission. This is key. Mm -hmm. Just don't do it. Ask permission. Can we donate these to a homeless shelter in Norfolk uh, that we support? And Unfortunately, the client said no, and they had good reason. Um, they, you know, they said we don't want our logo bounce around, you know, crack down right. and things. And I, I get that, um, and I, I think there's a bigger conversation there. But um, I do we were, too. But yes, yeah, we were respectful of that. And Jackie, you know, because she's got such a big heart, she's like, I can't just throw these away. I mean, this is what can we do with these jackets that are perfectly fine and very high end, where people really probably could use a nice jacket like this. Mm -hmm. So. She coordinated our team to go in and cut the logos off of these jackets and then sew in some patches that looked good. These weren't branded patches, just right. patches. And, the, and she said the patches only cost $20, so cheap patches from Walmart or whatever. They stitched them into the jackets, and now she's able to give them to the homeless people. And it took man hours. It became a right. team-building exercise. And all of a sudden, you're taking promo that could have just like been incinerated and you're using it in a purposeful manner that actually made her feel pretty good. She lost money on the deal, but she changed some lives in an impactful way. It, and it's making, you know, it's, it's making limes out of lemons, really. I mean, you're, you're taking something that's going to end up in a landfill. The client didn't want to donate it and understandably so, but to, to say what can, what's the best possible outcome out of this shit sandwich? Um, what a great, what a great thing to do. I love that. That's a great story. That is a fantastic story. It's a, it's not a shit sandwich. I think it's a lime sandwich. But is it lemons to lime? Is it lemons to lemonade or is it lemons to lime? I like your I, analogies. I've I've always said when when uh, life They're gives you sour. lemons, 
Yeah, when life gives you lemons, ask for limes instead. Uh, that's always been my philosophy. That's, that's a classic billism. I'm going to have to yeah. see. Like, you must be in the Urban Dictionary a lot. Um, you know, uh, Joel Moore, who uh, runs owns Permal Corners, my boss, he has started a book of Bill for every time I say something like that. <laughs> and he just starts writing that stuff down. Um, so one last question before sure. we, we, we bail out. And thank you again for your time. What's the worst client merchandise you've ever seen, whether you guys provide it or not, but just the absolute worst client merchandise you've ever seen? Yeah, um, I like to tell the story of a, you know, I'm not a big fan of stress relievers um, in the sh- in funny um, shapes. That's like, say, that's like saying I'm a mild fan of Van Halen. <laughs> so I, I, I'll give you the, the party line on this. It, it really, the first time I said this to our team about 10 years ago, I was like, if you sell stress relievers in funny shapes where there's no functionality to them, you will get fired. And um, and it was sort of joking, but I was really trying to make a, a very strong, and I think they get it now, a valid point. Mm-hmm. They understand that, like, this is a, um, it's it's a, I would say it's a risk to your client in order to, if you put their logo on something, it's not going to be used or get tossed, right? You agree with right. that. So, I do. Um, I had a sales rep who was working on a high-end golf tournament. So executives at a golf tournament for, for a client that's putting these on. So it was their clients at this event. And they are an investigations company. And, and the customer was very pushy and persistent uh, about getting stress relievers in the shapes of um, submarines, this whole idea of investigations. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, I, and I, I didn't see the order come through until after the fact, as I would have called him out on it. And I would have told him just to say no to the order. Um, but they went into the little gift bags for the CEOs that had shown up for this event. And what happened was um, the CEOs on the golf course were putting these um, stress reliever submarines on golf tees and oh, the no. shit out of them. And they're all <laughs> there was gray matter all over the the uh, the green or whatever. So um, it was awful for the person who you know this guy said don't I can't sell these to you and they said no we need these this is really what we want he sold them. And so the marketing person was just embarrassed. But what sure. happened was her boss came up to her and said, I just want to say whoever came up with that idea to have an interactive experience with these things on the golf course is brilliant. <laughs> so this guy was like, don't fire me. It turned out okay. Um, but but don't sell stuff that has no function. Don't sell things that don't relate to your client's brand. Right. Uh, that, that's the key. Anything like well, that. And- that's oh. the stuff that ends up in the closet of shame generally. Yeah. Those right. things that are the easy sales end up yes. in the closet of shame because they have no use and it was too easy to do. Yeah. Um, but you know what will never end up in a closet of shame? I have the feeling it's something to do with our sponsor. As it turns out, Danny, it does. How present you are. It's the good people at Imagine Brands and their Coleman line of drinkware. I mentioned it at the top of the show. They are introducing uh, just this week um, 11 new drinkware styles, and I've started to use some of them. They're really, really terrific. They're all made of stainless steel. They're vacuum insulated, and they come in an array of colors, which is very nice, not just a stainless steel look. And if you like the outdoors, and, and I certainly do, no matter how you choose your outdoor adventure, whether it's hiking, biking, camping, a backyard barbecue, Coleman can really be your brand. So go ahead and head over to imaginebrands.com, click on the crown section, and you'll see all the great drinkware that they have to offer. Danny Rosen, I cannot thank you enough for being the inaugural guest on this podcast. And we might have to do it again. I have a feeling we could have made this a two-hour podcast if we wanted to. 
Yeah, well, I enjoyed it, man. I love the idea, the concept. Keep doing what you're doing, Bill, man. You're really improving the industry. Great job. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you for listening to The Closet of Shame. The Closet of Shame is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing and media for the promotional products industry.